Evans Road. We want to uh, thank everybody that's come out tonight to the Airwide Youth uh, Service. We uh, want to welcome here to the Boonville Church of Christ. Um, tonight we're going to, like I said, we appreciate you coming and hopefully we'll get a good lesson out of tonight. Uh, Jordan Coates is going to lead our singing tonight and uh, we'll have an open prayer by JoJo. And then after that, I'll be leading you know, our time, a lesson for tonight and then Turner Foster will have our closing prayer. Good evening. We're going to sing quite a few songs tonight, so just so you know what's, what's coming. First song tonight will be I Will Call Upon the Lord. Let's all stand as we sing this together. I will call upon the Lord who 
is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be oceans.
Magnificat. Sick and injured and frank for our freedom, Lord, thank you for that. 
all get together and worship the Lord. Thank you for the many people that are here today and just don't know your will. Let them get to know your will, Lord. Help the people that are sick and injured and just can't be here today, Lord. Let them get on online and find us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Thanks, all will be goodness of God. <clears throat> I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I wake
How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who led to save me And walk with him for all eternity
I'll be reading Jonah verses, Jonah 4, verses 1 and 2. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious God and merciful God. You are slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. If you want to turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4, that's where we'll be for the start of the lesson, Jonah chapter 4. Uh, how great was that singing? Um, I was up front, and I, I was amazing to hear. Jordan does a great job, great job leading singing. Um, something we do here at Boonville, before Brother Ken leads our lesson on Sunday night, Sunday morning and Wednesday nights and things, we always say a prayer to uh, make sure that God's Word comes through the way it's supposed to. So we're Let's do that tonight, right before we start our lesson. Heavenly Father, thank you for staying. Thank you for all the many blessings you give us, Lord. We, we thank you for this time we have to come together and study a portion of your word, Lord. We ask that it come through me as it's supposed to, and that someone in the audience may gain something from it, Lord. We ask that you be with all of us as we study this, and, and uh, let, it, let it be yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, Jonah chapter 4. We, uh, the thing about Jonah is it's about, it's literally one page in my Bible, front and back. It's a super, super small uh, book in the Old Testament. But as most of y'all know, that there's one big story we know about it, right? It's Jonah and the fish. But the thing, and we're growing up, especially for, personally for me, I keep hitting the mic. Personally for me, it's Jonah didn't go to Nineveh because he was scared, right? So let's read Jonah chapter 1, and the verse, first two uh, verses of Jonah chapter 1. It said, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah the, and get, said, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because evil has come up before me. So, just like the story as we're kids, we know that the Lord come to Jonah and said, Go to Nineveh, because there's evil coming. And in verse 3, Jonah got up and fled to Tarshish. That is the story we hear our whole life, that Jonah just got up and fled to Tarshish because he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was scared. We get to verse 2. Oh, I guess I hit that. Yeah, there we go. We get to verse 2. I mean, chapter 2, and, you, and that's when the, the fish, gets, a fish comes and swallows Jonah at the end of chapter 1. Chapter 2, Jonah's in the belly of the fish. He's praying to God. And in the end of chapter 2, on verse 10, he says... It says that the fish vomited Jonah out into the dry land. Then we get to chapter 3. Jonah goes to Nineveh. They say, saves, talk, spreads, uh, talks about God to, to Nineveh. And in verse 10 it said, God saw their actions and, they had, and they, they had turned from their evil ways. So God relent, relented from the disaster and, and treated, or disaster and had them treated them and he did not do it. He threatened them and did not know it. I can't even read up here. So the point of going to where I'm at in chapter 4 is our whole life we've heard Jonah just didn't go to Nineveh. But we hadn't really understood why he didn't go to Nineveh. Nineveh and the Israelites did not like each other. They were enemies. So we get to what Anderson read for us in chapter 4. 
Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abundantly and faithful love, and one who relents from sinning disaster. So my question for you tonight is, have you ever avoided forgiving someone because you thought they didn't deserve it? Jonah didn't think that the Ninevites deserved to be forgiven for their actions. And I know in my personal life, I've had this same question that I did the opposite of. I have avoided forgiving someone because I thought they didn't deserve it. Uh-oh, hit the wrong button. There we go. All right, we got a couple, there's plenty of stories in the Bible about people who didn't deserve it. So we're going to go through a couple of them tonight. So if you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 will be the first one we look at tonight. John chapter 8. We'll start in verse 3. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman called in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. And the law of Moses commands us to stone such woman. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stood down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should, throw, should be the first to throw the stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued riding in the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older, older men. Only that he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, what are, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go from now and do not sin no more. This woman was literally caught in the act of adultery. It says so there in verse 4. And then in verse 5, we find out that in the old law, she was supposed to be stoned to death. But then we find in verse 11 that Jesus says, I will not condemn you. Go on and sin no more. So my question to you tonight is, does she deserve that? Does she deserve for Jesus to say, go on and sin no more? And the next one, a couple of verses, a couple of chapters earlier. In John chapter 4. John chapter 4, this is a pretty lengthy verse, uh, verses, so we're not going to read all of it, but we'll hit the high points. We find the uh, woman at the well. Starting in verse 6, it says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well because it was noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from, a, from me, a Samaritan, Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask, them, and he, you would ask him and he would give you living water. It's kind of like Ninevite, the Ninevites and, and Israelites in Jonah's time. Samaritans and 
and Jews did not get along. It said so there in, in verse 9, it says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So first, first thing in this is that in this time and age, Jesus had no reasoning, no point to talk to this woman to start with. So then we get down to verse 16. It says, go call your husband, he told her, and, and come back here. She said, I don't have a husband. And he, you have answered, said, you have answered correctly, said, I, have, I do not have a husband, Jesus said. And you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What have you said is true? So first off, he had no reasoning to talk to this woman, but he kept preaching, kept teaching her about the Messiah. And then he gets down there to verse 16 and says, go, tell, go get your husband and bring him back so we can talk about it. And she looks at him and says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, that's right, because you've had five, and the one you're living with now, you're not, you're not married to. So then we get down to verse 25, and it says, The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Verse 26 says, Jesus told her, I, the one who is speaking to you, am he. So my question is, does she deserve the teachings that Jesus gave her? She was a Samaritan woman that had no, no dealings with Jews. She is living, she'd been married five times and living with another. And yet Jesus still talked to her and still taught her. Now, boys, men, we're coming after you now. So let's go to the Old Testament and go to 2 Samuel verses 11, I mean, chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. I know this is a lot of turning and back and forth, but we'll get there one of these days. 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is a story in the Bible about David and Bathsheba that we've heard from a child, from when we was a child. We all know the story. David gets up on his rooftop. He sees Bathsheba on her rooftop. Her husband's gone off to war. He likes what he sees. He brings her over. He sleeps with her. Gets her pregnant, right? Well, when this happens... David said, well, I've got to figure something out. So he sends his, her husband back to Jerusalem, gets him drunk, tries to get him to sleep with his wife so they can get this whole thing figured out, right? But Uriah, who is off at battle, says he's not going to sleep with his, lay with his wife because his, his army is out in, out in war. So he sleeps... They, he doesn't sleep with her. So then when he goes back to war, what's David do? He puts him on the front line and pretty much gets him killed. So in verse 27 of chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, it says, When the time of mourning had ended, David had her brought to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. However, the Lord considered that David had done to be evil. When you think of David, you think of, I think of three things. I think of this story, I think of David and Goliath, and I think about how people say that David is the man after God's own heart. In chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, verse 27, it says that he had done evil, but yet he's still considered the man after God's own heart. So 
Does he deserve to be called the man after God's own heart? If we was going by our standards, I would say no. There's no way I would forgive David for what he did if I was Uriah's best friend. There's no way I would forgive him for that. But he's the man after God's own heart. Next one, we go a couple chapters over to Judges. Judges chapter 13. And to quote my wife on this one, we was talking about it earlier today, and she said, this story of Samson is the wildest story I've ever heard in my life. And I'm going to have to agree with her on that. So Judges chapter 13, we find the the story of Samson. In chapter 13, we find him. We find him there, and an angel comes to his to his mother and tells him, you're going to bear a son that's going to deliver us from Philistines. So at the end of chapter 13, he's born. And then, this, then we get into the wild craziness of Samson. In chapter 14, he marries a Philistine woman. And they're throwing this big old party, right? It's a week-long party. And he tells the Philistines that come, I have a riddle for you. And he tells them this riddle, right? He said, if you tell me by the end of the week, what the answer is, I'll give you 30 pieces of clothes. And if you can't figure out what the answer is, you give me 30 pieces of clothes. That's another gambling. That's another story all besides this. But we have, uh, so they get so mad about, about day four that they go to Samson's wife and say, look, if you can't get him to tell you the answer, we're going to kill you and your daddy. That's how, I mean, that's how bad it got. They were so mad that they couldn't figure out this riddle. Well, she starts in on him, right? She starts in on him and gets him after him and after him. After him. Finally, Samson says, okay, here's the answer. Gives her the answer. She runs the Philistines and tells them the answer. Well, when Samson says, okay, what's your answer? They give the answer, and he gets so mad, he kills 30 people, runs to his father's house, and leaves his wife. Then you get to chapter 15. He goes to, goes to get his wife back. She's given away to some other person already. So he burns the city down in chapter 15. Then you get to chapter 16 with the story that we all know about Delilah and, the, and when she cuts his hair. She asked him three times, what's the answer? What, what, what gave you great strength? What gives you great strength? And, she, and he told her some fib every time. Well, finally, she just kept going and kept going. And he gave in to her and told her the answer is his hair. And they cut his hair off and they captured him and they used him as a clown pretty much. So my thing about Samson is this. He let women control how close to God he was going to be with with Delilah and his wife. And I'm going to say he probably had anger problems if he burned a city down because his wife was given away. So my question to you is, does Samson deserve the, forget- the triumph he gets at the end where he, we all know he tears the temple down on top of the Philistines and, G- and God gives him the power back with his hair grows back? Does he deserve that triumph? The last person we're going to look at is Peter. We're going to turn back to, back to the New Testament, go back to Matthew. Most of these stories we're talking about tonight, we've all heard our whole lives. But I think we need to look at them Sometimes, just to remind, our, remind us what it's all about. Matthew 26, starting in verse 69. 
Matthew 26, starting in verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, and the servant girl approached him and said, You were with Jesus of Gal the Galilean, too. But he denied it in front of everyone. In front of everyone, and I do not know what you're talking about. And when he had gone out of the great gateway, another woman saw him and, and, and told those who were with, their, with there, them, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again, he denied it with an oath, I do not know this, this man. After a little while, they, those standing there approached and said to Peter, you are, you are the one of them, since even your accent gives you away. And he, start, he started to curse and swear with, with an oath, I do not know this man. Immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered what the Lord had spoken, before the rooster crows, you would deny, deny, deny me three times, and went out and wept bitterly. I don't know that I personally have ever said, I don't know Christ. I don't know who this person is. I don't think I've ever said that. But i tell you what I have said. When people say, hey, let's go do this and let's go do this. Have I denied Christ by not, by not doing what I'm supposed to do as a Christian? I know I struggle. I'm stepping on my toes up here as much as I'm stepping on anybody else's. But the thing about Peter is that he denied Christ and said he didn't know him. But do we deny Christ by doing things that we know we shouldn't be doing that Christ tells us to? The thing is this. Let's turn to Romans 3. Romans 3 and verse 23. Romans 3 and verse 23. The thing about it is that no one deserves the forgiveness we get. Every one of us has gotten forgiveness when we didn't deserve it. Romans 3.23 says, For all those sin, I'm falling short of the glory of God. None of us deserve the forgiveness we get. But 24, is this, verse 24 is where it's, it tells us how we get it. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. One of our elders here talked to the college class for a long time. And when I started going to that class, he broke it down and said that justified means just if I had never sinned. And then my wife hates, hates this when I'm going to say, I can't even think of the word I'm thinking. But I also heard that grace means it's gift received at Christ's expense. Gift received at Christ's expense. So let's read verse 24 one more time and think about what justified means and what grace means. They are justified, just as if I have not sinned, freely by His grace, a gift, a gift received at Christ's expense through the redemption that, that is in Jesus Christ. The thing about, thing about this is that we... Nobody deserves it, but we are given to us by Jesus Christ. We sing a song during Kids Sing that Doug sings for us. It tells us five steps of salvation. You hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized in the water, rise up again to walk with him just like you ought to. Right? Ought to? Okay. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so that's the, 
the thing is, that's where we get our redemption through Jesus Christ, is going through the steps of salvation. So now we, hit, we figured out the steps of salvation, what we do to get our redemption, how we don't, no one deserves it. Let's turn back to the Old Testament one more time, to Genesis chapter 18. That we realize, now we realize that no one deserves the forgiveness that we get, and no one, and there's nothing we can do to get that forgiveness. But how should we act in our everyday lives for the people that we think do not deserve this gift that we have of forgiveness? In chapter 18, starting in verse 16 of Genesis, we find Abraham and God talking here. And God says that he is going to destroy the city of Sodom. And, he, and when we get to verse 25, 26, he said, The Lord said, If I can find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham answered, Since I have ventured to speak to my Lord, even, even through the dust and the ash, suppose the 50 righteous lack five. Would you destroy the whole city for lack of five? He replied, I will not destroy, destroy it if I find 45 people there. He starts at 45, and he goes down to 40. Then he gets down to 30. Then he gets down to 20. And finally at 10, God says, if you can find 10 righteous people in this city, I won't destroy it. And we know God knows everything, right? He says earlier in the, he says earlier in, in the chapter that there, he's going to destroy it because there's no righteous men there. And Abraham knows that God knows this. But yet there he is, begging, begging for God to save it, to save them. Are we doing that for people that we know don't deserve it? Are we literally begging God to forgive people that don't deserve it in our eyes? The thing is, is we should want everybody to go to heaven with us. We want... We should want everyone to go to heaven. That is our call, right? In Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore, preach in all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing, is going out and preaching and teaching God's love and, and, and word to, to the world. So how are we doing that if we're not forgiving the people that don't deserve? We found out there in uh, Romans that we are saved through Jesus' redemption, or redemption through Jesus Christ, right? Like I said, there's five steps of salvation that start in baptism. If you're living in, in tonight and you haven't been saved and you need baptism, we're ready for you. That's how you get your just if I, not, if I have not sinned. That's how you get justified through His grace, is by, through baptism. If you've been baptized before and you need us to pray for you and us to be here for you, we're here for you. If there's anything we can do for you tonight, come together as we stand and sing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people.
as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord his people surround us, Lord, surround us, oh Lord, we need your Take of the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, it has been prepared, prepared in the little chapel back here to the foyer and to your left. You can pass it this time. <clears throat> also, if you are helping prepare the food, you can pass it this time as well. Is there anything? We're just doing this? Okay, it's all me. All right. Um, one quick announcement. Foot Street has the next area wide on April 21st. April? Is April right? Okay, April. April 21st, Foot Street is the next area wide. Uh, so be there. <clears throat> Our closing song tonight will be Psalm 24. Taste and see. <clears throat> After this song, you may pass to the annex to uh, the meal that's been prepared. If you don't know where the annex is, it's north of the building here, north's this way. Uh, you can go out any door that goes this direction to get there, so just follow the crowd. Am I missing anything else? Any other announcements before?
I sing. We sing. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and delivered me from every fear. Those who look on Him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. This poor man day that you've given us. Uh, we thank you for all the youth and the youth leaders that have come here tonight, and we ask that you be with them as we travel home, as we go through our weeks this week. We thank you for Drew and his lesson, and we ask that we take it and apply it to our lives, and uh, we thank you for this food that has been prepared, and we ask that it nourish our bodies so we can put our bodies to your service. But most of all, we want to thank you for your son, who you sent to die on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> 